Thanks for tuning in to Voices in DevOps. If you enjoy this podcast, please check out John's reports and blogs on gigaohm.com, where he covers all things DevOps, data, and strategy, addressing many of the topics covered in Voices in DevOps. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Voices in DevOps, where I'm here to speak to Claire Vo, who's the Chief Product Officer um, at Optimizely. I hope I pronounced it. You can't really mispronounce Optimizely, can you? So, um, and, and you've, you've, you've worked for other uh, organizations, small and large, and uh, everything's around experimentation. So I'm, I'm delighted to have you as a guest and, and hear what you've got to say. Uh, Claire, so I'm going to hand the baton straight to you and say so, uh, how did you get to be Chief Product Officer at uh, Optimizely? What, what, what's your career arc followed? Great. So thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and speak to you about myself and, and DevOps and whatever that may mean and Optimizely's lens in terms of how you bring experimentation to the software delivery process. So as you said, I'm the Chief Product Officer at Optimizely. That means I get to, as I tell our customers, Uh, run the team that decides what amazing things we build and what problems we solve. So it's a real privilege to be able to run the product organization at a company like Optimizely. And I joined Optimizely because they acquired a company I was CEO and co-founder of in 2017. So prior to starting that company, I'll start at the sort of beginning, beginning, I had been running product management teams in companies very large and very small, everything from being the 13th employee at a startup to working at Electronic Arts, which had thousands of employees across the globe. And in every organization that I worked in every product team I ran, I had found that this concept of experimentation and testing was a really powerful way to drive to our internal goals, but ultimately build a really amazing customer experience. So as a product manager and as a product leader, I had become kind of obsessed. In fact, I had somebody who was my boss's boss once called me too obsessed with experimentation. And I I heard that and I said, you know what, obsessed, I'll I'll show you what obsessed look like. (laughs) And I quit my job and started a company called experiment engine. So uh, this has been a real passion for me for a very long time. And experiment engine was a startup focused on helping enterprises scale their experimentation. So, you know, I've been part of a lot of teams that had run maybe dozens of tests per year, but I had always had the ambition of helping companies run hundreds or thousands of experiments per year. And Experiment Engine was a SaaS product that was focused on unlocking that kind of velocity in experimentation. And we partnered with a lot of experimentation platforms, but Optimizely had always been our number one experimentation technology partner for good reason. Optimizely is the number one A-B testing tool in the world. They really created this market around experimentation and had the best product, especially uh, the best product for a company like me who wanted to build on open APIs and data to to build on top of. Mm-hmm. So I launched and ran Experiment Engine. And, you know, as good companies with good partners find out, we optimizely and Experiment Engine started looking at our shared customer list and saying, hey, there's there's a lot of good stuff here. And so Optimizely acquired that company in 2017. And then 
I've been able to run the product organization at Optimizely ever since. It's been a real privilege. So there's a, there's a couple of words in there that I, I, I'm almost reminded of Princess Bride. I'm not sure that word means what you think it means. Um, it, it's when we talk about experimentation, and, and then you mentioned A/B testing. Uh, can you just make it um, uh, uh, kind of? How, how would you explain this to a, a non-technical person in terms of what this enables, what this gives, um, and and uh, and why it's so important? Absolutely. So we had optimizedly think of experimentation as the blanket category of tactics or strategies you might use to validate hypotheses with data. Uh, that's really the, the fundamental thing that we at Optimizely are trying to unlock is the ability for someone to take an idea and validate it with real world data. And one of the most, you know, the, the simplest way to explain that is, is the same way you learned how experiments worked in grade school when you were in science or the way that experiments are, are being run now to solve the, the global crisis we're in. It is a controlled experiment, uh, you know, a double, ideally double blind uh, study uh -huh. that allows you to test whether or not the hypothesis you have about the behavior of something in a system actually creates the results that you want. And in the web world and in the digital world, the most common framework for this type of experimentation is what is called an A-B test. This is something that every company from Amazon to Netflix to Facebook to Google has used to build the market position that they're in, which is simply taking an idea, and I'll give you the simplest example, uh, changing a button that says buy to buy now, and splitting your traffic in an even way, splitting it 50-50, showing one half the buy button, one half the buy now button, tracking your metrics over time and applying sound statistics to know if there was an uplift on, on the experience you changed. That's called A-B testing. That is one type of experimentation that companies use to validate their ideas with their real customers. Okay, so and you talked. You didn't seem to care too much as you started talking about uh, what kind of experiment. So uh, it's any data applied to any field, or is it? Are we talking specifically uh, software um, delivery, websites, mobile experiences, and that kind of thing? In in terms of what we're talking about here. Yes, so for Optimizely, we're specifically focused on digital experimentation. So websites, mobile applications, and software being built. Uh, the practice of experimentation can be applied in many different channels, even many different digital channels than the ones Optimizely helps optimize for. But we're really, you know, the experiences that you build with code, that's where Optimizely is trying to help you optimize. Okay, cool. And, and uh, that that's useful to me because I'm thinking from what you've said, you, you, you get the philosophy and you're applying that uh, to this specific field rather than getting the specific field and discovering the philosophy as you went along. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, you've done it, you've done it the right way around. You put the, the horse definitely in front of the cart. Um, yeah. And the thing we like to say is we try to bring the goodness of the scientific method to digital businesses. So everybody knows that the scientific method is a, is a sound process by which to do discovery and have a big impact on the world. And we're trying to bring that to the way people build software. Mm -hmm. So all of that, then meanwhile, you, you've got what you're doing, uh, mm -hmm. which is all great and could exist 
I think, uh, in any software environments, you, you, you're, um, I was going to say you don't care. I was going to, better term is you're agnostic to the way that someone develops software. But meanwhile, we've got this thing called DevOps, which is a, a, a kind of amalgam of, of various concepts, of agile software development, continuous delivery and integration, uh, and uh, it, that that di direct uh, um, deployment into operations and so on and cloud computing. All those these things come together and, and we, we talk about uh, facets of them in terms of DevOps. So how do you um, perceive from your stand, from, from your position, from where you're standing, from the mountain that you're, you're, you're standing on top of, uh, the world out there of, of software development? And where do you see that uh, the, the challenges are hitting and the opportunities are? Yeah, so the thing I think about when you're trying to tackle the challenge of, you know, building great experiences by uh, deploying software at scale is really about two things. It's about speed and confidence. So all the product development and software engineering teams that I talk to, whether they're the ones that work inside the Optimizely building or our customers, are always thinking about two things. How can I go faster? And how do I know I'm building the right thing? And those are really challenging problems. And I think this practice, philosophy, category of DevOps is really about, to me, solving those two questions at scale. How do we go faster? And how do we do this with some level of confidence? And I think everyone has identified the right sort of answer to this, which is you really just have to create tight feed feedback loops. And uh, what I'm excited about in terms of DevOps and all those sort of categories underneath that you listed is many of those are simply about creating tighter internal and customer feedback loops. And so where Optimizely thinks we have an interesting opportunity to add to the conversation is how do you bring customers into the product development or software development process and how do you tighten those feedback loops so you can both go very fast, but also build, be confident this software that I wrote works. Uh, and it not, doesn't just work technically, it works for the customer and it works for the business. And so that's sort of the lens that we bring to this very broad practice that can be interpreted in, in many ways and implemented through both technology process and people. To me, it's how do you bring customers into that loop of of product development and software development so that you can go fast and so that you can build confidently. Uh, as a matter of interest, I mean, I, I've worked with various organizations uh, over the years and used terms like co-creation and, and uh, you know, the banking sector, for example, is, is, is full of organizations that are looking to uh, engage better with customers and bring them into the, the product um, development process, you know, banking products in that, in that case. Um, but, in your experience uh, at Optimizely with, 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 and beyond uh, with customers, uh, how much of it is a kind of uh, you're pushing on an open door, uh, mm -hmm. people get it and they say, how can I sort it? And how much of it is that you're actually kind of going, you do know that it's a really good thing to deliver a good customer experience, don't you? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I kind of get that. But, you know, <laughs> it's not a priority. Yeah, that's... You, no one says, no, I want to create a bad customer experience. So at the very least, we have this shared foundation of, of every company knows that whether or not they've historically been one, they are a digital products company. We work 
with Nike, for example. And while Nike is known for their shoes and athletic wear, they are they consider themselves a digital products company now. And so uh, those two things where companies understand that their customer is the most important point of leverage in their business and that they are a digital products company, those are well known and well adopted. I think the how do how do we unlock the sort of ownership, customer centricity, agility, speed that we want in our organization in order to reach our ambitions, I think that's cloudier to, to teams. Uh, certainly teams that have not yet gone through, and, I, and you're talking about words you hate. I, I dislike this phrase, digital transformation, but it's applicable. Uh, well, and we, it's could, we could spend a whole podcast on that. Yeah, absolutely. Let, let's do that sometime. But, you know, <laughs> who haven't gone through this transition of, or aren't native to building digital products, it's the map there is very confusing. And they're looking at the ecosystem and they're saying, is this a technology problem? Can I just buy a, a stack of technology and solve it through that? Is it a people problem? Can I hire the answer in? Uh, but to me, it's really a first and foremost, foremost, a culture issue. And I go back to thinking about why I started Experiment Engine. And it was because this SVP said to me, Claire, you're really obsessed with experimentation. And the second part of that story is he said, you really just, if you ever want to be successful, need to make more decisions just with your gut, not with data. And I just thought that is so diametrically opposed to how I see the best digital companies in the world operating. And while I think there's a wonderful place for human intuition and ideation, it can't be done in a vacuum outside of your customers. And so breaking open that culture of, you know, executive top-down decision-making and top-down ideation, breaking out of the culture of siloed ownership, where there's not a comprehensive culture of ownership across the company, and trying to cultivate what I would call hypothesis thinking. Uh, ideas aren't good or bad. They are hypotheses that we're going to go test and every test can result in a learning. I think those cultural changes are the thing that I see most companies being, holding back, not a desire, not even access to technology or expertise. Yeah, I, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of curious. Normally on these uh, podcasts, and uh, you know, my pitch before we have the podcast is that there's no pitch. Um, but with, with a product and company like Optimizely, and the fact you're an experiment agent, uh, agent engine, can't get the word out now, um, suggests to me that you need a certain level of cultural maturity uh, or not uh, in order to, to make really good use of what you're doing. Um, so how, how do you engage? Uh, do you, can, you, can you engage as a kind of, look, just start using our stuff and as we go along, we'll build a better, a better culture, a better way of doing things with, with more data-driven understanding and all that stuff? Or do you have to wait for companies to be at a certain level of maturity before they can really take advantage of an experimentation platform such as yours? You know, what I think is, is interesting about our approach is, as I said, experimentation encompasses in our mind a wide range of practices. And that can be the most sophisticated 
center of excellence, enterprise-wide deployment of everything's a test, every deploy's a test, every product's a test, every feature is measured to kind of an even simpler form of experimentation, which would be a, a feature flag or a rollout, a quick validation with your customers that I didn't have, I don't have a bug in this code, or um, I know it works in a specific region the way I expect it to. So there is a spectrum of practices within this umbrella of experimentation that I believe are accessible to any company. As I said, I've had this experience. I've worked at very, very small companies. I founded uh, a startup that started with, you know, two people. And I've worked at these large global corporations. Every single place culturally had an opportunity to apply experimentation and get benefits. Um, Whether or not you need to go zero to 100 in your first year, I don't think that's always appropriate. But what we try to do is, and I think this would be spoken of anybody trying to implement a cultural change or a new practice, is you meet people where they are. And I think the most interesting way to approach a conversation about any practice, and for us it's experimentation, is you know, what's an idea that you've always had that you want to see, does it work? You appeal to the sort of individual. What's what's your idea? What's your hypothesis about what you could do with experimentation and with our customers? And let's go test that and let's find out if it works and not set the, the bar so high. You have to come up with a hundred, you know, hundred item experiment roadmap and you really have to deploy this continuously. Let's just start with one idea and get in the practice of writing a hypothesis, building something quick, validating with customers and sharing the learnings. And that's a kind of, it's a proof point led approach. You, you've, you've killed my next question. Oh, I'm gutted. <laughs> um, so, well, I was going to ask uh, where, uh, whether, whether it, it's one of those, is this, is this a feature or a product question as well? Um, but yeah. um, it, it's, is this a philosophy first thing or is this a, uh, uh, a tool first thing. And I think you've answered that question by essentially saying it, it is what it needs to be for that, for that particular context and that particular culture. So uh, maybe it's the best approach is to put a crystal in the solute to, to, yeah. to apply it, to apply it as a tool and just prove something and get demonstrable results. Uh, yeah, I think big bang. And getting that, that feeling, that feeling of, you know, whether or not you get the results, whether or not you get the 20% improvement or the 50% improvement in, you know, performance, whether or not you get the outcome you are driving for, it's really empowering to get the information. And I think really keying on that, what did you learn, uh, is just as important as what did you output. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm just I'm just thinking through a few things. So essentially, um, the ability to um, test hypotheses, to to run new ideas, it, 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 that that's core to what we call innovation. You know, it, it is about mm-hmm. trying out things and and seeing which ones work and which ones don't. Um, it seems kind of weird to be talking about uh, a product that's kind of outside of the the world of devops best practice uh not weird if from the point of view of definitely we need that you know that absolutely valid but equally i'm wondering whether it's a symptom or a cause in in organizations that that you're working with and then the question is how how do you get them to 
how, how do you develop the mature? So what pieces do you need in place early? Uh, and then how do you develop that? So, I mean, it's a rambling web. So Dev, DevOps should be all about this stuff. Um, and, so and so with, why isn't it and how do we make it? So I would say in, in their own way, they are. And so that's why we use this phrase of experimentation, but say there are, you know, dozens of practices under experimentation that are ultimately driven towards creating a feedback loop with your customers and you know, validating your ideas with data. I think in the DevOps world, and this is what we've seen and why Optimizely has been really excited about not just um, continuous delivery, but, what, but what's being referred to as progressive delivery, sort of incrementally rolling out or delivering experiences to your customers, validating that they work and then going further into your customer base with the delivery. Uh, which is a is a practice that optimizely supports through our products of feature flagging and rollouts and targeted rollouts and things like that, is this is the way that software engineering teams have historically applied this concept of data-driven customer-centric decision-making. They, they maybe aren't calling it A-B testing, although there are plenty of, of engineering teams that think deeply about A-B and multivariate and all these sort of classic testing techniques. But they're thinking about how do I verify in, you know, how do I test in production? How do I verify with real customers this thing works? And we've seen that sort of pull in the direction of feature flags, canary releases, progressive rollouts, um, remote configuration. That's sort of the, the lens that the engineering organization applies to this concept of experimentation. So while they might not use the same phrases, the fundamental cultural idea is the same. And also from, from our perspective, from a technology perspective, it's very closely embedded from a technology tools and code perspective with sort of classic A-B testing and experimentation. So we don't actually think software teams can uh, pull those two things apart. So Optimizely has been really focused in the past two years of how do we go towards the, the engineering and DevOps organizations? And then how do we bring this concept that we think is fundamentally sound across the business, which is make decisions with data, create tight feedback loops with your customers to the practices that they are already doing? And I'm thinking through that, uh, the big bank scenario where, that, but I guess it, I'm hypothesizing myself. It, it, it's both a question and a statement. Are, are you working with the business at that point? Or are you working with the uh, engineering teams? Or are you bridging the gap between both? Yes. Yeah, so the, the thing that I like to say about our own product strategy internally is we build for the team. So there are a lot of solutions out there and they may be focused on specifically the marketing team or specifically the product management team. And I really think in this sort of collaborative world that we're in that we have to solve for the team, which means we have to have an applied solution for engineers. We have to have an applied solution for product managers and we have to have an applied solution for the business. And, you know, I, I say we meet customers where, where they are and we, we meet organizations where they are. Sometimes it's engineering is ready to go and they're a little bit ahead of the curve of everybody else in terms of they're very excited about DevOps, they're very excited about Agile, and they want to pull the rest of the organization on. So sometimes that's where we lead. But other times, uh, the engineering organization 
isn't quite there, but there may be a growth team on the product organization that's so excited about growth hacking techniques and A-B testing to drive business performance. And those teams are tightly connected with the engineering teams and bring bring them along. So uh, we we build for the team. The three kind of key key groups I think about are growth teams, product managers, engineers, and data scientists, because those are the ones that are going to bring these practices into the organization in a fundamental way. And uh, you're reminding me, so there's several threads going on in the DevOps world, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Uh, I I was just um, um, reminded of a podcast I did with uh, Christina Noren at uh, CloudBees. Uh, who is also mm-hmm. chief product officer, or was at, at the time chief product officer for CloudBees? Uh, but this this view that you, if you think, for, I'm hesitating as I say this because it's kind of uh, it's almost a face complete when you speak to a product person. They're going to say, "Well, think of the world as a product." Um, you're like, mm-hmm. uh, "Yeah, but that, yeah, that's because you're a product person." Um, and yeah. but th- there does seem to be a movement across the the DevOps world of let's stop thinking about deliveries uh, of software, of applications, of services, of systems, whatever. Let's think about products. And it's the yep. same thing that's come from Task Tops, uh, Mick, Mick Kirsten. Uh, he wrote a book about it. And uh, how, how do we orient ourselves around actually delivering stuff of value? I mean, it feeds into the value stream management conversation as well, yep. uh, because ultimately everything should matter to someone in a positive way. Otherwise, why do it? Exactly. Yep. Yeah, it, we we often see product managers, and of course, I'm going to say this as somebody who runs a product organization, so it's it's my singular point of view. But we often see that that product team act as the hub in an organization, so um, and and drive this sort of thinking throughout different teams, whether they're teams that are tightly coupled with product like engineering or teams that are loosely coupled with product like marketing. So we certainly see that product thinking and that product centricity in a lot of digitally native companies and startups. And then we see a lot of enterprises trying to bring in this product management practice to uh, to be the kind of transformational driver in in their in their company. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it- it, it, it kind of um, both uh, increases and diminishes the importance of the engineer because we're all stakeholders at the end yep. of the day. And that is one of the problems I got with DevOps. It's the fact that it just talks about dev, it talks about ops and kind of, hey, how, how about everybody else? You know, yeah. so, uh, but that, well, that's... And, and what I get excited about in terms of, of this applied specifically to, to the engineering organization is there's no greater thrill as a, as a product person than working with an engineer who's obsessed with customers. You know, not obsessed with code, but truly obsessed with solving customer problems. And I've seen some pretty phenomenal engineering organizations achieve great things by simply pointing groups of very technical people at true customer problems. And so I think about that reorientation of the North Star for, for technical teams. And at the end of the day, uh, you can build beautiful code. It can be deployed flawlessly. But if it doesn't matter to your customers, then, then what have you been working on? And so I really like the idea of bringing deep customer empathy and centricity to technical teams because I think it's really empowering and it's really, quite frankly, fun fun mm. for engineers, fun for product managers. 
And uh, I, I think it's great for, for culture, retention, engagement. So that, that I, I think you're absolutely right. And, and I'm going to ask you to kind of, okay, what's, what's our, our kind of top tips for, for organizations moving forward? But before I do that, I, I, um, uh, I, I've got to, to say a quick anecdote, which is like one of the scariest days of my life uh, was when I was actually teaching people how to develop agile software. This was a long time ago. And um, I said, the best thing you can do is get a customer in the room. And uh, it sounds great in theory, doesn't it? It's a great thing to say on a training course. So I said this, and one of the guys on the course said, that's great. We've, uh, someone in marketing used to be a customer of ours. Let's get them in the room. And I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> 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 They're going to get a customer in the room. And uh, the company was called BioRad. They made uh, uh, electron microscopes. Uh, with you know hugely complex and powerful front ends, and uh, I thought, where's this going to go? So they got they got the customer in from marketing, uh, and she came in, and we did a mock interview, and uh, said, so so what do you want to see in the product? And she said, well, none of anything that you do, because what you've got to understand is the way that people use the product is the first thing they need to do is get funding uh, for mm -hmm. an electron microscope, so they get l so little time, and all they've got to do is get a really really good picture of anything. Mm -hmm. And then they can put that into their funding application Then they get some money and then they can spend six weeks sitting in front of the electron microscope with all the knob knobs and dials. And that's the mm -hmm. point you want it to look like a kind of uh, aircraft uh, um, you know, flight deck. But yep. before then, just if you had one button that said, give me a great picture, yeah. that, that would that would do. And it was this m m amazing, wonderful epiphany that was a, a complete surprise to everybody. Uh, of how it was kind of left field customer in, input because to say it's a two stage approach for us. No one, no one, no one had even grasped that until then. So yeah. I completely get it. Um, so over to you then. It, if we were to say, okay, it's obviously really important and brilliant and powerful to be able to experiment, to be able to uh, deliver. Uh, on all these kind of fail fast goals and uh, A/B test and and get customers more connected, etc. You've worked with so many organisations. Uh, you must have seen the the real big uh, routes to winning and the things mm -hmm. that people should really avoid. So, if yeah. if you wanted to pick one or two of each, uh, what would you say? So, I think there are you know the things to do. Most importantly, I've said this: it's a cultural trans transformation, and so. Embedding hypothesis thinking and removing fear of failure from your organization is the first thing that you have to do. No one's going to run an experiment if they feel at the end of the day they're punished when the results don't come back correct. Uh, that, that, you know, uh, tamps down innovation, it tamps down ideation, it in instills fear, and it moves you towards sort of a top-down ideation process. And, you know, I say this as if I'm an expert and it's easy to do, but even I, sometimes as a product leader, hear ideas, and the first thing out of my, ma my mouth is like, oh, that will never work. And I even have to walk myself back and actively try to cultivate this hypothesis thinking saying if it's a, it's a well-founded hypothesis that can be measured that has a, an ability to be tested rapidly there is no loss that we're going to incur as an organization all we're going to get from this is learning and so i think first as leaders really practicing hypothesis thinking and supporting failure in pursuit of learning is very very important 
The second thing, and I think this stands for any practice you're trying to implement, you can't move what you don't measure. So setting goals, whether they're milestones or numeric goals against embedding this practice of experimentation or data-driven decision-making into your team, into your department, into your company, whatever is appropriate for the stage you're at is really important. At Optimizely, we have a certain number of experiments we want to run per per month or per quarter. And we have a certain percentage of code releases that we want uh, to ensure we have a good feature flagging and rollouts plan behind and are, are deployed behind sort of a data-driven uh, practice. And so I think having measurement of your movement along the maturity curve is, is very important to do this correctly. I think the thing that I would, you know, um, caution against is don't feel like you have to, to bite off more than you're capable of right away as an organization. I hear a lot of, especially large companies that are trying to do large transformations say, you know, okay, in a year when we can get a leader on this and this cross-functional council and we can deploy this in every geography and, you know, we can get our arms around this whole program, we'll, we'll do this big global release of whether it's agile, whether it's experimentation, I'm sure you've heard this as well. You know, these big companies try to do these big transformations in these big rollouts. And really what I would caution against is trying to go so big, you never go at all. Start with a team, start with, a you know, organize, I like to say organize around motivated individuals, find a motivated individual team where this is going to add immediate value to the way they do work or the way they're delivering for customers and start there. I think once you see the results, it becomes very easy to then make the case and deploy and scale. So don't don't stop yourself by thinking you have to go big right out of the gate. So results-driven or data-driven evolution, not revolution. Yeah. Um, but you've got to map that again with the the fact that transformation's got to come sooner or later. You can't, you can't do it with an old culture. So uh, get yeah. get with the program. It's fun. That's what I would It's say. fun. <laughs> Come on in, the water's warm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, fantastic. I, I think um, let, let's let take those pieces of advice there. That's fantastic. And thank you so much for your, your time and, uh, and help um, explaining a lot of this stuff because it, it does feel like it should be the norm and it's clearly not. Uh, experimentation is still very much the exception. So, so Claire, it, Thank you so much. And if anyone's got any uh, questions, they, they know where to come to us, the usual social channels. Please do get in touch and, and we'll, we'll endeavor to, to respond. Thank you. Great. Thank you. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode of Voices in DevOps. And if you have, we encourage you to check out Voices in Innovation, our new show in which we interview analysts and guests on various topics facing the IT industry today. You can also check out John's latest report on gigaohm.com, the key criteria of enterprise CI/CD. Thank you.